Hey, Pastor Zach here from the Grove Church, and I'm just excited that you are either streaming or have downloaded a sermon right here from TGC. Um, we're excited that you're here and just excited for you. I pray that it blesses you. But before we do get started, I just one thing I want to chat with you about. One thing I just want to really just plead with you that this would not replace you joining in with God's covenant people um, through the local church. I pray that this would be only supplemental to your growth in Christ and would in no way replace you joining regularly with God's people, sitting under your pastor and serving your brother and sister in Christ. And so if you're local to TGC, I just want to extend the invitation for you to come and join us. We're here every Sunday, 10 a.m., downtown Spruce Pine, right on Lower Street. We would absolutely love to have you. If you're not local, then I just ask and pray that you would find a local body of believers who love Jesus, preach the Bible, and is a place that you can both serve in and find community with. After all, this is God's plan to push back what's dark in the world. The local church is to be a light, and we pray that you would find that. I hope that this sermon blesses you. May God bless you as you listen to the proclamation of his word. How's everyone doing this morning? So I just want to kind of give a short, another intro about myself. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Chris Collins. Uh, me and my wife, Amy, uh, got married in May of 2017, and, and up until then, we were going to uh, different separate churches. Um, so when we got married, obviously, we wanted to uh, find a church uh, to uh, um, worship in and serve together. And um, we were at a place in our lives that we really felt like we needed to we needed to find a place where we could serve and be true to um, how God had, had molded and shaped us and how he um, just created us to be. To, and we both um, wanted to be true to God's word um, in doing that. And, uh, and just finding the grove, we visited in October of 2000, and, uh, um, last year actually, 2017, and uh, we became covenant members in February of this year. And um, it's just been, been great. Um, just looking forward to serving here uh, with you guys and as we uh, grow in Christ and, and get to know him because that's what it's all about. So we continue our, uh, our uh, uh, series on our family traits here at the Grove Church. And, and these traits that uh, we've, Zach has preached on up until now um, that begins with the glory of God, the um, seeing God glorified and enjoyed. Um, another way that that word we, we hear that a lot um, God being glorified or doing it for God's glory and, and basically just to kind of simplify that down is, is just you know that's making God famous we're uh, we exist to make God famous so we exist the grove exists to see God glorified or to make him famous and enjoyed through gospel saturated worship community service and multiplication and we see that uh, all these are interconnected as we go through these that, um, uh, you know, God's, God's glorified when, when we worship him and, and we worship him in community and, and in the midst of worship and community we serve and, and as we serve we, we multiply, we make disciples of Jesus. And so we're going to focus on service this morning and, and, and um, really uh, look at this uh, scripture that Zach just read and uh, really just uh, draw out um, some um, truths um, and realities uh, in this story, in this real story that happened uh, as Jesus was uh, and his disciples were traveling to Jerusalem. 
And uh, we're going to see how that applies to us today, what the implications of, of that is for us today. Um, so let's just, I, I want to just uh, tell a quick personal story about, m- not ser- about me not serving um, to kind of, you know, you know, this is, this is about Jesus and did I need Jesus? And here, here's how, I, how I've failed in, in not serving. And I know my wife is going to enjoy this. Um, going to kind of self-roast myself here. Um, so one day during the work week, uh, we both had gotten home from work. I think I was, act- I got home and she was actually already out in the yard doing some uh, yard work, some gardening, whatever. Um, so I might have been um, working on some schoolwork or something. I, I, anyway, I have a place that I lay on the couch um, at my house, just kind of, you know, my spot. She's got the reclining chair, so um, yeah, but I have my, my space on the couch, and I was just kind of laying there. I might have been reading or something, and she comes in from doing the yard work, and uh, uh, she says, I just, I just saw a snake out there. There's a snake outside. So I was focused on whatever I was doing, and I said, oh, really? And I just kind of went back on and, and, and didn't jump up to go uh, serve my wife by uh, taking care of the snake because those really, really freak her out, um, which they probably should so um, yeah I've pretty much dropped the ball there in, in, in serving and that's just one of many examples um, so so just you know t- to make this uh, uh, you know real and, and, and how we all fall short in serving um, I want to read this the, the primary text again um, it's not up on there so I'll just read it real quick for us because um, here at the Grove we're all about you know the word of God and 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 we you know, it's not just me up here making stuff up, as, as Zach likes to say. I like that saying. It's a good saying. Um, so anyway, Mark 10, verses 35 through 45. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to set one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, <clears throat> and, Jesus, and Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism which, with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left hand is not mine to grant, but but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be the first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So I just want to kind of retell this in my own words um, here um, and kind of provide a context for this uh, snapshot in Jesus' life and ministry. Um, the, fo- the preceding verses here talk about Jesus and the disciples going to uh, Jerusalem. They're all, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and, and the disciples are following him. Um, and as, as he goes, he, he, he foretells of his death a third time to them. Uh, and he, he mentions things that, that he will be handed over 
uh, to um, uh, the rulers and, and of, of, of the law and, and, and of, uh, of Israel, and they will then in turn hand him over to uh, the Gentiles, and he will be uh, mocked, he will be um, spit on, he will be uh, flogged, and ultimately he will be killed, but that he will rise again. Um, so then next, as we see in verse 35, right after that, he tells of this, James and John come up to him, and it's kind of like the, you know, the buddy system today or, or whatever, um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, wink, wink, you know, Jesus, you know, when you come into your glory, you know, let us have the two places of prominence beside you. Um, and so Jesus says, well, are you able to, you know, drink the cup that I'll drink and be baptized with my baptism? They're like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll be willing to go, you know, with whatever we, you go through. Um, and uh, so then he says, you know, that, that um, you know, he talks about the other disciples come and they get kind of angry because they think James and John have got the inside track. They beat them to the punch of getting these two prominent positions. Um, then Jesus goes into explaining that, you know, you know, among among the Gentiles here in the world, the world's philosophy is, is is you know we we dominate you know they leaders dominate others and and they exercise their power and authority over them for their own advantage and and Jesus says this is not so in my kingdom, you know in my kingdom those who are great serve others those who are great are slaves to all and. Um, Ultimately, you know, even even me, the king, the king of this kingdom, came not to serve, but to to serve, and to he did that ultimately in giving his life as a ransom for for all for humankind. Um, so there's a just a few points I want to just uh, discuss um, as we look through this text um, that will give us some reflection and, and things that we can think on. Um, James and John's uh, request reveals that serving goes against our human inclination. Um, people have a super mis misunderstand superficial misunderstanding of, of what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, they did back then, uh, they do today, they, they have throughout uh, church history. We see this in examples of um, the prosperity gospel that's so um, rampant today. Uh, and uh, similar to that is viewing God as a, a cosmic genie or vending machine that you know, if you do the right things, if you uh, pray three times a day, read your Bible three times a day, go to church every time the doors are open, uh, give, give X amount of money that God is obligated to uh, give you all you want, all the material possessions that you want, and to make your life smooth and easy. Um, and that's just like, if you've read the Bible to any extent, is not what is promised by Jesus. Um, so there's a really superficial understanding. And there's different levels of this super, superficiality. Like we all, when we first come to Jesus and, uh, uh, ex, you know, uh, accept him and, and um, just uh, confess him as Lord, repent from our sins, uh, there is a, you know, we start out into a degree a superficial le level. And as we grow, um, we become more, more lined up with um, uh, the, the word of God and, and how that um, how we're to view following Jesus and what that entails. Um, but, but some people, unfortunately, just stay there. Um, th there's never any growth. Um, and, you know, James and John, as we see here, they start out at this very superficial level. And this also shows people have, we tend to have infatuated 
uh, opinions on our own self-importance. Um, basically, we, I mean, we're the, we view ourselves as the center of the universe, even though we wouldn't verbalize that out loud. At least most people don't. Um, some people do. <coughs> um, and and we, this plays out in how we relate to um, people in our lives, like our spouse, our family, our children, family, friends, co-workers, when, when they do something that, that seems to put us uh, in a position of inconvenience or maybe undermines us or, or causes us to um, feel like we're less than, than we think we are, we have that attitude, how dare they? You know, how, how, how dare my co-workers uh, treat me that way or say that about me? You know, uh, come home from work and how, how dare, you know, my wife hasn't done this or my husband hasn't done this. How dare they? They're very inconveniencing me very much. Um, all, you know, we see this like when we're going to work in the morning in traffic and, um, you know, there, there, there's traffic jams or somebody cuts us off and, you know, we, you know, just yell and get very, very angry. And, you know, how dare they? It, 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 like we assume that everybody in traffic is, is like, oh, you know, we can't inconvenience, you know, Chris or, or uh, you know, don't want to, you know, uh, cut Chris off or, you know, I'm just out to get Chris. You know, we, we view all these uh, instances in our lives as, as through the, the lens that we're the center of the universe. And we see that, you know, that James and John obviously had a very uh, infatuated, uh, inflated opinion of themselves. Um, just want to mention one thing here. Um, ironically, in this request to be beside Jesus when he came in his glory, they didn't know what they were asking for because, as we know, looking into the, the, the future of, of Jesus' uh, uh, life and ministry, that when Jesus did come into his glory, um, two criminals, not apostles, were beside him um, on crosses, not thrones, um, when he began his reign from the cross. And um, ultimately, Jesus did, the, the cross was his enthronement um, as king of the universe as he was reconciling all things back to himself and uh, hopefully uh, in the future Zach or me or someone else will be able to maybe um, uh, get dig deeper into that biblical truth of of God's kingdom and Jesus's enthronement on the cross um, but um, but that's just an ironic thing that that two criminals on crosses would would be beside Jesus when he uh, his glory began from the cross not not apostles on thrones let's move forward um, Second, second thing to think about here uh, that I want to point out is serving sometimes involves suffering. Uh, Jesus talked about the cup that he would uh, have and, and the baptism which with he would be baptized. Um, cup is just a metaphor for suffering. Um, in this instance, he's talking about God's wrath or God's ju- wrath and judgment, which he, we know he experienced uh, for the cross on our behalf. Um, and baptism, it, it, he's not referring to you know, believer's baptism, which we know of today, of, of being um, immersed in water uh, is a public profession of our faith in Jesus. But um, in the sense, he's talking about being immersed and uh, being overwhelmed and flooded with trouble and calamity, which, you know, is, which is what he was overwhelmed and um, immersed in when he was on the cross, going back to the cup of being um, experiencing the wrath of God, the wrath, you know, God's judgment. Um, and his wrath. So, um, the point, that, kind of the point that I want to make about this, how this kind of applies to us today, is um, the kind of service Jesus calls us to uh, is not a trendy thing. 
it may involve things we would rather not do. Um, today, kind of, there's a trend kind of today in our culture um, of, of, uh, of serving um, others that are less fortunate. And it comes, uh, a lot of this, the trendiness comes from this is, is that it's not re- ultimately when you get down to it, it's not really about serving other people because of their needs or because they're created in the image of God, but it's, it's because it's just the trendy thing to do. And um, Jesus, as he served, uh, when he instituted this way of service in his kingdom, uh, he, it wasn't a trendy thing for him. It, this was something that would last, that he expected to last. The, the bad thing about trends, even though it may, there may be some good that's done, obviously, that will be done in this uh, trendiness of serving other people that's less fortunate or whatever, um, there may be good done, but the thing is, is it won't last. It'll come and go like all other trends. Um, and, and, and as followers of Jesus, we don't want to um, be directed and led by trends. We want to be directed and led by uh, the king who served and gave his life. Um, so don't fall into that trap of, of, of um, viewing of, of service as a trendy thing to do that's you know, accepted and, and actually, uh, in a, a sense, is uh, glorified in our culture today. Um, but do it because Jesus initiated it and expects it to be sustained as his kingdom expands here on earth as, as the grove uh, plays a part in that. Another point I want to make is that uh, serving requires saying no to the ways of the world and yes to the work of a slave. Uh, he uses words like uh, the Gentiles or the world's philosophy as they lord it over or dominate um, others beneath them and, and they exercise authority and use their power over uh, those beneath them. And, and this just shows us that the world is driven by selfish ambition and a lust for raw power and position. <coughs> um, this hasn't changed throughout history, um, through ancient rulers and, and uh, Jesus' time, the, the Roman Empire specifically, to all the way up to today, to present-day government officials, uh, business leaders, and unfortunately, even church leaders. Um, leaders are often driven by position. People who have positions of authority are driven and use that um, for their own advantage and, and not for the good of others. Here's a quote that I really like that really just unpacks this, really just, um, I love the way it, it puts this into perspective. Uh, the quote says, <clears throat> take a sip of water here before I read it, <clears throat> says the Zebedee brothers are not asking for the honor of being crucified with Jesus. What they really expect is a kingdom for themselves where they can impose their will on others. They hope to replace the self-serving, oppressive power structure of the Romans with their own self-serving, oppressive power structure. And this is a key point right here. I I love this this point. Nothing changes except the names of the rulers. Oppressive power gets recycled and new tyrants rise on the scene. And that is a quote by uh, Chad Myers. this idea of, of, of nothing really changes, and we see that today, um, you know, um, when we look at our own, own, own political system. Um, I'm not going to go into details there, but, um, you know, there, there's, there's promises made. Uh, uh, one party makes some promises, and then, 
you know, the, the, the ne next four years, the other party, they come to, to power and promises are made, and, and they're just empty promises, and while policies may change, the, the paradigm in which it, um, um, leadership is, uh, is um, um, practiced and uh, exercised, it, it, it's all about, um, it's not about really for serving others, or it's about using that authority for um, their own selfish gain or own agendas, not for the, the, the good of good of everyone else, not for the good of the people. Um, unfortunately, we see this in the in the church. Um, um, and I'll go into some more specific examples as we look at the application and significance of this uh, service in this passage today. Um, but uh, the work of the slave of when he mentions servant here, um, that those in his kingdom must be uh, who want to be great must serve others and be a slave. Um, the servant, what he speaks of here, that term is, is uh, refers to those like who waited on tables. Um, and as we know, like so, Jesus is saying basically here, those who are great in my kingdom aren't those who are sitting at the table, um, giving the orders. It's the one who are taking the orders and going and, and, and serving, getting the food, getting the drinks. That's the people who are great in my kingdom. Um, slave is this connotation of having no rights. Um, so we don't serve um, in an attitude of, you know, well, I've attained this, uh, this place, this position in my life. You know, I have, you know, certain rights. I don't have to do this or I shouldn't do this. You know, Jesus says to, to throw all that out, you know, that we're to have the, the attitude of having no rights. Um, basically, just to paraphrase Jesus' main point here um, is that in the world, the more important you are, the more are the people who serve you. But in the kingdom of God, the more important you are, the more people you serve. <clears throat> last point I want to make in regards to this passage is related to the last verse, verse 45, is that we must, as we serve, we must consider Christ when we serve. Um, if we do this without um, considering Christ, if we try to do this in our own strength or, or because we feel like we're trying to earn Christ's favor or, or whatever, it, it will wear out. We, we won't be effective. We have to look to him as, as our example and the one who gives us the power and ability to serve. Um, he mentions the word ransom here, which is basically a compensation for personal injury or a crime. Um, it has the nuance of purchasing the freedom of, enslaved, of an enslaved relative or the price paid as an equivalent for the sacrifice of the firstborn. In other words, it has this idea of cost, um, of substitution and atonement. Um, and we see that th this, this purchasing, this um, price paid in Jesus, and that, that the ultimate expression, this, ulti this is the ultimate expression of God's love. When, when we hear God's love is that um, the cross is the self-substitution of God for sinful humanity. That even though while we were uh, sinners, while we were still sinners, uh, God in his love, Christ, Christ died for us. Um, so we must consider uh, Christ's ultimate uh, example of, of serving and giving his life for his enemies, um, so to speak. Um, so I want to um, just kind of end this with a few thoughts on application and significance for today for, for our lives. Um, just want to first um, give a few simple things that to reflect on, to consider. Um, one thing that we see in the disciples, James and John, and even the others, 
who got mad. They didn't get mad because they were being insensitive to Jesus. And after he was just talking about suffering and dying, they got mad because these, these two were get, maybe getting the inside track on uh, some influential positions in Christ's kingdom. Um, but we see the disciples' pettiness, but we can see our own pettiness in that today, if we're honest, um, how petty we are when it comes to things. Um, another thing to consider is, is Jesus is about giving. The disciples and us, we tend to be about getting. So there's a contrast there of, of Jesus giving, and we're all about getting, and the disciples were about getting. Uh, another thing that we can draw from this is that there's a danger of overwhelming ambition. Um, before, before I came, uh, about 10 years ago is when God really uh, drew me to himself and um, um, I um, started following him um, and um, getting to know him. Uh, this really was what uh, drove me, this, this overwhelming ambition and and the thing about that is that tends to crush people. Um, it was crushing me. I felt like if I didn't attain a certain status, um, get a certain job, um, you know, marry a certain person, uh, that my life would be in vain or that I hadn't accomplished, you know, what my potential was or whatever. And, and man, that's, that's just crushing to people, this self-centeredness, um, this, this, this viewing of you as the center of the universe. That, that everything revolves around you and, and, and you need to, you know, realize that potential, man, that will crush you. Um, it, it was crushing me. And, um, you know, I just think that, that, that God um, just, he, he let that. The, mo one, the, the most graceful thing he did to me other than his work on the cross was allowing that to crush me because he used that to, to uh, enable me to trust in him and to follow him. Um, an uh, example of that, though, is, is today is, is, unfortunately, we see this overwhelming ambition even in the church. Um, we see church leaders, they position for power at all costs, uh, which lead to power struggles in the church. And ultimately, this leads and results in anger and hatred among God's, God's people. And, and, and you know, strike, you know, a, a contrast, a, a, a um, the exact opposite of what Jesus said, that his followers were to be characterized by, by love for one another. And, and we see just the, I'm sure as, as many people as here this morning, you've experienced that um, in a church setting before. And, and, and the thing we got to realize is, is the, you know, the, the church isn't perfect. That's why Jesus died for it. Um, so we're not to just, um, you know, pack up our bags and go home, but we're to do something about it. We're to, to, uh, to have this attitude of Christ and, and serving others and 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 as we do that um christ will uh, grow his church and and his kingdom will be expanded despite you know our human shortcomings <clears throat> another thing to consider here is this um desire to rule and control others um may indicate the hidden recognition of our inability to produce anything so this this um we have an inferiority complex. It may reveal that we have an inferiority complex that, um, you know, we're just masking with this, this uh, um, overwhelming ambition to achieve this uh, status or, or whatever. Um, it, it's just a masking of, of our realization that, man, we really can't do nothing. As Christ said, that, 
that without me, uh, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so we try to counter that with proving him wrong, that, that we can do this on our own, and, and ultimately we fail. Um, we're almost done here. I want to share just one more quote from uh, Martin Luther King, Jr., and this should encourage everybody here this morning. Um, Martin Luther King, Jr. said that, that everybody can be great because anybody can serve when he says this. You don't have to have a college degree to, to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You don't have to know Plato and Aristotle. You don't need to know Einstein's theory of relativity. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics and physics. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. Um, I found that very encouraging, just a very good point that, that you know, you, you don't have to have these, um, you know, not to say education, I think education is a great thing, but it should be from the perspective of, of using it for uh, God's glory, for making him famous and to expand the kingdom, but, but, but you don't have to have these, uh, these uh, um, uh, aptitudes or, or abilities to, or knowledge to, to just serve, um, you know, you can just do that, anybody can serve. So that should be an encouragement to everyone here, no matter where you are or who you are, that you can serve. Um, <clears throat> this also, um, we should examine um, how we respond to, um, we, we, can, we can measure uh, where we're at with our attitude of service and power. It, we can examine that by how we respond to when we're asked to do a, a menial task that we may judge to be uh, below our dignity. Um, how do you respond when you're asked to do something you feel maybe, you know, you're kind of past that point or you're too good for? How, how, do, you, how do you respond to that? Um, another thing to, to examine is to re-examine our request to God in prayer. Um, if our prayer life was made public, would we look like shameless gold diggers? Examples of this is only praying for promotions at work, new jobs, fancy cars, and bigger homes, etc., etc., etc. Just a list of, of requests to God of, of material things um, that we want. Would we just look like shameless gold diggers? Would would we be, uh, you know, as we judge other, as other people are judged to be gold diggers, would would we be, if if our prayer life was exposed, would we be uh, judged to be gold diggers? Ultimately, in this passage, looking at James and John is like looking in the mirror because we're in this story, we're James and John. We can see our own selfishness, and, and the author of this gospel, Mark, hopes that we can see how foolish we look. Um, <clears throat> Mark wrote this gospel to emphasize the, uh, the uh, servanthood of Jesus. Um, all the Gospels are written with different emphasis. In Matthew, it's Jesus is king. In Mark, it's Jesus is servant. To contrast, uh, Luke focuses on uh, Jesus' humanity, while uh, John focuses on his deity. Um, so, so Mark is just really, um, you know, as he focuses and emphasizes Jesus' servanthood, he hopes we see how foolish we look in our, our, our desire to be served. That the king of the universe, the king, uh, the, the creator, the sustainer, and the savior of the universe was willing to come and give his life for his enemies. And yet here we are wanting to be served. Who, who are we? <clears throat> In reality, Christ, since Christ has already served us, we do not need to depend on anyone else to serve us, which frees us up to serve others. 
um, specific examples of serving others and, and, and serving here at the Grove Church. Um, just, um, you know, serving your spouse, serving your children in terms of, um, you know, like in regards to spouse, um, you know, uh, doing things like, like taking out uh, the trash, doing the dishes, um, cleaning the bathroom, you know, things that, that aren't, um, you know, great, you know, that you don't, aren't just stoked to do, you know, you do them um, um, instead of, 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 of uh, you know, putting that off on, on, on your spouse or whoever. And, and uh, I don't have children, but Zach gave a good example the other day of, um, it's actually easier to, like, clean up after your children, which makes sense. It's actually cl- easier to clean up after your children, like Legos or whatever, um, than to actually teach them how to do it because that's going to end up taking a lot longer um, and, and just going to have kind of more pushing back at you than it would for you just to quickly pick everything up. But you're teaching them, um, you know, how to be responsible and, and to pick up after themselves. And, and, and that's, that's an example of serving your children. Here at the Grove Church, um, there's just a couple practical examples, um, you know, uh, signing up to bring food on Sunday mornings, you know, just something very simple. Um, signing up um, to clean the church, uh, getting on the uh, cleaning rotation. Um, you know, that's a, a, a job that, you know, you're probably not going to get a, a comment on Facebook of an, an applause of, wow, you cleaned, the, you know, how you cleaned the church this weekend was awesome. Um, you know, probably nobody's going to even know you did it. Um, Another example is, is, and I'm not giving this example because my wife is the uh, kids ministry director, but just signing up to uh, uh, getting on the rotation of helping out in kids ministry. Um, I, I experienced this myself. I'm, I'm not good with kids. Um, at least I don't think so. I don't, I don't relate to kids well. Um, but I saw as, as we're building another room and as our, our kids uh, ministry is growing, um, uh, my wife mentioned to me that, you know, we need more workers, but... Um, She's kind of more, there's probably going to be more people who are willing to, like, manage the kids and, like, give out snack, and it's going to be harder to get people who feel comfortable teaching them, and, and um, so I, I realized that I needed to, uh, you know, sign up for that, uh, to get on that rotation of, of just teaching the kids stories, and, you know, it's not, we're not teaching them deep theological truths, we're just teaching them different aspects of the gospel each week, like, God is king, and, and that's what your goal is, just to get across to them that God is king. Um, so, so that's another, you know, whether it be teaching the kids or, or managing the kids, um, you know, that that's, that'd be a great way to help out at the, the Grove. <clears throat> Ultimately, wrapping this all up, this is, this is all, this all goes back to the gospel. Uh, the ransom statement that Jesus made is that atonement is something we cannot attain for ourselves. It's a gift from God. Um, Jesus gave his own life in order to, uh, pay and deliver us from the captivity of sin. Um, there is a catch, though. According to the law, the one who was ransomed became the property of the one who freed him. And Paul assumes this later on in, in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Um, so having been ransomed by Christ, if he has, if, 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 we, um, if we apply that, his ransom payment to us, if, if we uh, repent from our sins and and um, turn from our sins and ourself as, as king and, and turn to him as king and pledge our allegiance to him, um, 
having been ransomed by him, we belong entirely to him. So when we talk about repenting, turning from sin, and, and, and placing our faith in Jesus uh, or believing in Jesus, it's not just a mere intellectual assent, but um, we're, we're pledging our allegiance to him. We're freely uh, admitting that we belong entirely to him. And um, so that's, that's the invitation this morning um, is, is for if you, you have not done that, um, all you have to do to do, to do that um, is, is to repent, turn from your sin and yourself, pledge your allegiance to Jesus, believing in the gospel that he paid uh, the uh, price to set you free from the captivity of your sin. Um, and now we're going to transition. I'm going to pray here, uh, and we're going to transition into the Lord's Supper, which uh, is a great illustration of what we just talked about in verse 45. Christ's ransom payment for us. This ransom payment is ultimately in his uh, uh, body, which is symbolized in the bread, and his blood, which is symbolized in the, the wine or the juice. Um, that, 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 that was the means by which he paid uh, for our ransom. And um, this is only for believers in Christ. Um, that's not a, a, a you know, to, um, an arrogant insult to anybody who's not. Um, it just wouldn't, it, it just... What we're doing, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And so if you haven't, um, you know, repented and trusted in, in Christ and his payment <clears throat> with his body and blood, there's just, um, you know, you know why would, if you haven't done that spiritually in a spiritual sense, why would you do it in a symbolic sense? Um, and, and the Bible actually warns against it because it's basically you're mocking Jesus' payment, um, his ransom, if, if you've not, um, um, ex, you know, repented and and believed and pledged allegiance to him as king. So um, I will close us in prayer. And uh, as the music plays, as the song plays, you are free uh, to come up and or partake in the Lord's Supper. Father, just thank you for your word this morning, God. Um, uh, God, I'm just um, I'm just an instrument, a tool. Uh, Lord, to deliver your word, God, uh, pastors, preachers, at best, Lord, um, if, if we're skilled in public speaking, which I'm not, at best, we're still only just motivators, motivators um, that may uh, produce um, change and action in, in people's lives, maybe for a short time, but then it falls away, God, but uh, Lord, if you use us uh, in your spirit, God, uh, and you place power in your word, God, you alone, Lord, we may plant, um, I may plant, Zach may water, vice versa, but God, ultimately, you're the one who brings growth, God, so I just pray you do that this morning, Lord, not only for my, my message, but God, but for every message or, or teaching here at the Grove and, and all that we do, Lord, God, you just, just, just bring growth, Lord, uh, through your word, your word won't return void, and, and just give us, Lord, uh, this attitude of of servanthood that you, Lord, the King, had in, in giving your life, your body, and your blood, Lord, for uh, to deliver us from the captivity of sin, God. We just we thank you for that, God, uh, and enable us to look to that as we serve and, and for that to enable us to serve others, Lord, so that uh, you may be glorified and made famous and that your kingdom may be expanded. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.